I like how you what? can use the words black face in succession in the context of watches. Yeah. But outside of that, black it's face. like not not acceptable at all. See, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you made that apparent because if we were recording right now and anyone was listening, you know, it could be really oh, confusing. Well, about funny thing is, we, we are would recording. lose our woke status for so. sure. Oh no. <laughs> uh, anyways. I I, you know, that's the other thing that I noticed that we do for every episode. Also, we always go, we have a conversation beforehand and then we always go, anyways, wow. <laughs> welcome to episode 11. I, I, I like it because it's kind, of like, it's kind of like someone opens a door and it's a bunch of like people having a fun conversation yeah. and they go, hey, you're here. You're our topic of conversation for today. Yeah. Right. But prior to that, you were not at all a part of the conversation. So yeah, we're, it's sort of like a super super meta fourth wall sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, audience, the listener, is also the subject of conversation at all times. That's the 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 feeling that we're shooting for, right? Yeah, we, said, precisely, we describe this as a hang, so it's like whoever's listening, they're hang, hanging with us. They're like hanging out with us. Yeah, they, I hope that listeners who listen to this get a sense. <laughs> listeners who listen to this okay yeah that's the we're, we're starting really early with that <laughs> I, like I like redundant sentences yeah yeah you know like in a cards against humanity it'll always i think one of them is like something that barack obama would push and then i put the card barack obama <laughs> I, just, I just like really redundant sentences for something for some huh. reason. anyways anyone who's been listening long enough is already our friend and that's the topic of conversation yeah, today yeah is our is how selves. Listening back to it. I mean, that's like for later. I but guess. we have real people who listen to us, Dan. We have oh, like live. Yeah, not, not live, live, but we record. I, why would what way would we be doing this live? <laughs> <laughs> what just came out of my mouth? No, that's we're not doing other this live. Podcast, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, those people also have money and an established fan base, and also yeah. like a dedicated staff that yeah. works with the mics and stuff, like while things are happening. Meanwhile, we go around and we go. Hey, by the way, I do a podcast. <laughs> Follow me. <laughs> It's okay, one day I, so I, I get into those conversations like a lot, and people are always like, "Oh, you do a podcast? You have like a great voice for like a podcasting." I'm like, "Thanks, <laughs> push the button and, <laughs> and listen to it." Like, at what point does it feel like you're being a little douchey, douchey, douchey <laughs> about it, and you just feel like you're like, "Look at me, look at me, I'm Mr. Meeseeks." I, I always feel like I become really close to that YouTube, uh, that YouTube persona where it's like, "Smash that smash like button, the like button." Yeah, you know, like comment, like, and subscribe. Yeah, right. I feel like I'm getting really close to that Sorry. level whenever I talk about the podcast, but. And then we talked about nothing for like eight minutes. Wow, we're it's like <laughs> ten minutes in probably, and we're not even on the main topic. <laughs> Which is what, by the way? Uh, the topic that we have settled on today is friendship. And you just made that sound really pansy-like. Yeah. The topic that we're talking today is friendship. And we're all good friends yes. now. Everyone who's listening, everyone who interacts with us, we're all friends here on yeah. the podcast. Well, I mean, all the people that we've been talking about it thus far have mostly been word of mouth, right? Our friends. Yeah. At least for me. I don't know about you. No, same with me. Like, I always, I take the time to send the podcast to some people and, you know, get a get a feel for what they've like or what they like about it what they don't like about it but it's been mainly friends and the bots who listen to this as well yeah yeah oh we got bots on here yeah there are bots no way. you'll see one day it'll be like we gained 20 subscribers and way more listens and then you check back the day after and they're all gone because the system like cleaned them out i'm like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i just keep those numbers please that's no, fine but anyways so i think um a good question to open up with for this one is um how many friends do we think we have 
you know? How many friends do you have personally? I couldn't count that. Yeah? Yeah. And I think this is an important uh, distinction to make because there's a lot of people who you'd consider friends and there's people who you'd consider acquaintances. And I think uh, where we draw the line, especially in this type of conversation, is important because that that line can be pretty ambiguous a lot of the so time. So, like, you're trying to go above acquaintances? Because yeah, in my so. mind, in my mind, the relationships that you can have with another person go strangers, acquaintances, friends, and then you go into like best friends. Yeah, I suppose. And so. the family is kind of just its own separate, yeah, category. It's got its own. That's self. more like an obligation, <laughs> uh, uh, an obliged relationship, kind of. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I wanted to ask that question because I know there's a lot of people who have a small circle of friends that they would consider uh, people that they communicate with on the regular basis. And, uh, you know, maybe a group of acquaintances that they would also be friendly with on the regular. Um, you know, because I'm kind of like that where I have like a really small group of friends that's not terribly small, but it's it's connected like, you know, maybe 10 people max. Not to say that everyone else isn't my friend, but these are people that I interact with very regularly, who I try and keep up with a lot, you know, more often than not. Mm-hmm. And um, because I think when I try and think of all my other friends who are maybe more acquaintances because and not really acquaintances, but friends that I keep, but I don't that we, we don't have time to keep in touch with each other all the time, but we're friendly with each other most of the time. I think that's a really large number. But I think in terms of how many how many friends I think I have in a close circle, probably about like, you know, seven to ten that I would consider my like immediate group of friends my okay. elite club of friends like the the people that you could just call up randomly and they'll be like oh yeah what's up yeah something oh, like yeah. that you know where you, you can call them up no questions asked you just strike up conversation like it's nothing no you know that's a that's a very high tier of friendship to get into that i would yeah you're probably right that like not i feel like your number seven to ten is probably even high compared to a lot of other people just from mm-hmm. what i've heard yeah before. possibly outside of the context of school for us since we you know kind of just came out of it um you're not forced to be friends but you're much more likely to be be oh my god Two man <laughs> <in> five minutes <laughs> or you're much more likely to be uh friends with people when you're constantly around them and then when you're no longer around them in the same geographical location then sort of dies off which is unfortunate but that's just what happens so once people get to like adult life young adult life where we are that number of people that you're super close with starts to dwindle down a little bit. So yeah, and I mean, sense. and I, I it's really uh, is heavily based on like how we interact and how many people we basically interact with on a regular basis, right? Because your friends end up moving away from being your college friends to being like your work friends because you see yeah. them so often and you have so much to either commiserate or uh, you know work with all the time. Ooh. That's relevant situationally. So commiserate. That's a good word, right? That's awesome. Yeah. But so I, I think uh, that really plays into like a topic we'll get into later about proximity, something that we touched on on the last podcast as well. But I want to I want to keep that open to. So, Dan, how many friends do you think you have in the in the close circle of friends that you can call up close randomly? Circle. Yeah. Mm, like Four, at least. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to put a number on it, kind of. Uh, so. maybe it fluctuates. Four or five. The the elite circle that Dan keeps uh, square. Some, yeah, he sometimes he's got four uh, points, so. sometimes he puts someone off, and sometimes he adds. Yeah, them back sometimes in. it's yeah. a square friendship. Sometimes it's a pentagon of friendship. Yeah, right. Yeah, where Dan's at the center of everything. Yeah, yeah. 
I think like four to five is a lot more reasonable for most people, especially um, especially people like right now on the grind where they're doing a lot of things like their own little their own projects and they don't maybe don't have time to interact with too many people all at once. Yeah. Right. But I think that definitely plays into uh, a few different topics, you know, definitely proximity, you know, definitely like how friendship works throughout stages of life. It's something else. That's something we talked about last time as well. And then even also like how we make friends. So it, it would be good to talk about both like proximity and like friendship through stages. Those things go basically hand in hand. Let's start with uh, the stages since that's what everybody more or less goes through. Yeah. So there's a childhood friend, right? Yeah. Ones that are built early on, like based mostly off of proximity and mostly off of like how we learn to interact with each other, right? Let's start. Yeah. Let's start with that one. So. This is kind of a question, too, that I've been, like, mulling over. When exactly does childhood end? Mm. Is it middle school? Is it, like, right before high school starts? Is that a thing that changes? Because for me, it's, like, probably elementary school. Mm. Like, once fifth grade is over, then that's, like, your early childhood. Why does it end for you there? I don't know. It's just, like, a easier threshold to cut off. So, like... You two and Peter would all be considered still childhood friends because obviously we met when we were very young. But yeah. anyone like that I met in middle school and beyond, I guess I'd consider them late childhood, teen Maybe like, friends? you know, early, you know, getting into adolescence maybe. Yeah. I don't know, like growing up sort of thing. I think uh, being in America, you, you basically partition off a lot of your growing stages of life and your childhood into like how we view our elementary and middle school and high school phases, That's right? That's true. Because those are basically big areas of our life, especially um, when you're young and your your whole universe is super small. Moving into a different building, even like between elementary and middle school, is such a huge difference. Yeah. Right. I, I remember getting into middle school and thinking that all the ceilings were really high and that everything was <laughs> yeah. super big. And then you come back years later to visit or something. Tiny. And the whole place is tiny, right? Like everything is so much smaller than you think it is. And um, and, and so, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you that fifth grade is kind of like an end to the early childhood phase. And it, it kind of works out too, because that's when things in your body start changing as well. And you start becoming more aware of like yourself as a person who react, who interacts with other people who are also people in society. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a sort of brimming innocence that is, you know, finding out about all these new things and yeah. learning about these wondrous like magical things about the earth right well i feel like after that point you also start to become friends or search for friends through common interests rather than either being forced forced quote unquote to be friends with people because of proximity like first through fourth or fifth grade or whatever like in at least in the context of school you end up becoming friends with those people because you're in the same class for you know four or five years but then after that when you open up to different classes with middle school or high school, then you're starting to see different groups of people. And then at that point, I think, is when the majority of people start to get a little, I guess you could call it picky with how they want to choose their friends because then it's less of an obligation of, hey, I see you all the time. Let's be friends. And now it's more like, oh, we have something in common. Now I can kind of talk to you specifically about this thing. And then that's how we're going to meet our interests together. And that's where our friendship will bud from as I, opposed to and i think you know. that plays hand in hand <clears throat> with um how in middle school you're you essentially start trying to find who you are and what you like and what you're about right in middle school yeah. i know initially um on the last podcast we talked about how our early attempts at socializing and at making friends and wanting to be likable by everyone 
were basically attempts at us trying to navigate through what socializing was and trying to figure out this network of people that we saw with any sort of degree of frequency. And it's always uncomfortable because we're not, you know, well-versed in how relationships work, uh, you know, depending on any type of like platonic, you know, uh, romantic, or even just infrequent acquaintances. We're not, we weren't really super well-versed in that. And so we were always trying to figure out how to go through those and navigate those situations. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, it's especially difficult, but also hand in hand with the fact that we're trying to find ourselves and we're trying yeah. to figure out how we're supposed to interact. Right. Yeah. And, and I think when you're, when you're in middle or not middle school, when you're in elementary school, a lot of it is just based on, um, a lot of it is based on just like how well you can interact together in a certain, a certain moment. Right. Yeah. Like, because you're with, with each other basically all the time in every single class for four years or five years, given that you stay in the same school for five years, you get to know those people really well. And I think you don't get to see the changes that happen as much because you, you basically have the changes with them. And then when you get into middle school, because you see them less frequently, the changes start to become a lot more apparent. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think those apparent changes also cause for like additional bonding or additional growth between certain people. And that's how you get certain people who maybe weren't super close in elementary school who start to get close in middle school and either like, and that provides foundation for later on as well. Yeah. That's also in the context of childhood friends for school though. With us, it wasn't school. It was outside of that. I know a lot of people will say childhood friends because they were friends with a kid who was down the street or like the next house over. That personally didn't really happen for me. Um, when I was little, like I went outside and met some of the neighborhood kids, but I didn't, I don't think I'd ever consider them like friends. They were kind of just other kids that were around. So that's true. I knew who they were, but like for us, we met outside of school as church, you yeah. know, so that was just another setting or environment that outside of the, the regular, this is my childhood friend from school that happened to work for us. So, I mean, it's also a fringe case for us since. Church was just like a thing that we were also constantly going to. So same yeah. same idea as being around each other a lot, but in a different setting. So I, I think I wanted I've wanted to ask this question for a while, but so you know our our early friendships were really based. And I mean, if we're taking this logic into into a case, our early friendships were really based on you know frequently seeing each other on a on a weekly basis that we could all expect, and we always expected it to happen, and we always bonded over those moments. But um, I, I, I've always wanted to ask, like, from your point of view, and this, this includes you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was yeah, slick. Um, but, like, from alternative, port of, uh, alternative points of view, what was it that really kept us cohesive, right? We had a lot of common interests all the time, and we always made efforts to hang out, yeah. like, pretty frequently. But I, I, always, think, well, I always found it interesting just because, like, we never saw each other during the day, like at school. And that's where yeah. a lot of really like long-term friends get made is because of the frequency. But because we never saw each other so frequent, it uh, I always find it a little bit more interesting that we, we kept such a strong bond over a longer period of time. I think part of that is that we had the frequency, but we also didn't get the burnout from mm. having the same amount of time you're forced to be spent around each other than you mm. would in school, you know? Yeah, a lot of times it was because our parents were friends too. Yeah, that too. So if your parents are friends, then they're always like, oh yeah, you can hang out and then have the kids hang out. Yeah, but like frequency. That's always I, convenient too. That's true. I think I think it is that with 
at school, if you're spending whatever your eight hour school day together with the same group of kids, like inevitably you'll get pretty tired of some of them just because like, <laughs> I mean, you can try to be same, same bullshit, different day. Yeah, man. pretty much yeah. like you can be as good of friends, but after a while you just run out of things to talk about or something just because you're like, yeah, I experienced the exact same day as you. What else is there to talk about? Right. But with us, there was a whole week buffer where things could happen in between and while we were together for those like couple hours, that was our moment to, you know, indulge in whatever we happened to go through that week. And then it would be like, cool, this is something that happened to me. Oh, this is something that happened to me. Well, we were in the same building, so we can have a continuing conversation that just lasted through that. I think there's a few, um, there's something about that time as well, the late nineties that was really important in terms of like, um, I think technologically, when we were we started getting into Pokemon and things like that, that were a bit yeah, long term. Um, they they were basically just like the bases for us to start bonding. And I think I think because those those games existed and these like other forms of interactions were possible, like it fostered like oh, I can do this during the week, and then I'll talk to Aaron about it like mm-hmm. a week after, or like. I'll see Dan later, like in the week, and we can talk about this thing that I did that I think is really cool, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think there was a sort of safety because we all understood that we were into very similar things, yeah. And so we could always just fall back on those. We were also pretty smart kids, so we kind of had an idea of not to like toot our own <laughs> horns, but we we had pretty. But good also to toot our own horns, like we had a good sense about us in terms of what we liked and what we didn't like early on, compared yeah. to a lot of people, and we were pretty good at expressing that to each other so that that's true lucky for us we're we're all like similar levels you know yeah um because one of the points i was going to bring up was that i feel like it's a lot easier to make friends when you're little well for some people because nowadays comparing it to when you're an adult or in high school or whatever at that point your ego is big enough where you're starting to worry about how other people see you and you're trying to make an impression rather than trying to be friends you know like Mm. what's the phrase first impressions are everything right and that's sort of playing into the well there's a standard that somebody has for you or you have a standard for somebody else whereas when you're a kid and you're trying to make friends you're just like and you just throw yourself out there like you don't worry about any of that you just hey this is a person and i'm gonna talk to them there's no hey this is a person what do they like is that something that i like is something that I like, something that they might not like, and then they'll think I'm weird. Like you didn't have all these thoughts on the back of your head that are balancing the chances of becoming friends with a person when you're little. Because when you're little, you're just like, this is just in front of me. My my uh, perception of these things doesn't is, doesn't exist yet. So let's just go for it. And in that respect, it's almost easier to make friends just because you can just throw your entire being out there without any worries. You know? Yeah, and I think that's really tied to like. Sorry. That's well said. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and I think that really ties to the uh, innocence of being young. You don't have societal perceptions of what is like, you know, unacceptable or acceptable. You, you know, you do, but you also you don't. Yeah. Right. You don't have the anxiety of like worrying about whether people are going to accept you in some sort of group. It's more of like you think that people are going to accept you regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it's sort of a safety that has been engendered by either your parents or the adults in your life, and you're just used to that. Yeah. Right. Um, you brought up a, a really interesting point that I, I think is good to at least start right now or introduce. But um, when we make friends, I think there's always that point in time where people will get tired of a specific thing, especially with like over frequent uh, interactions. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a, a there's definite stages to being friends with somebody. 
where like you might get to that point in time to to burnout. Yeah, yeah, I think friendship burnout is is a a thing that happens to people, but you know, uh, isn't really something to worry about on a long term, but is definitely something that we should consider. Yeah, right. I, because I think there's other parts about it too. Like, I, I, there's so many types of friendships you get into, especially throughout your life, and I think I've had plenty where it's like. You start out like like a really like big fire, like lots of things to go off of, and lots of commonalities, and lots of things that are that we similarly enjoy. And then like the more you spend time with that sort of thing, I think the more you notice little flaws here and there.、Mm-hmm. And so like friendship burnout really becomes an issue when you just have、uh, so much、uh, frequent contact with one person who's really similar to yourself, right? Yeah. Because then all the problems and well, not problems, but then all your differences get exacerbated once you figure out everything that you have in common, right? That's true. Yeah. Like you you stop looking at the. The main thing that you're like, oh, this is all this person is, and then after that, you're like, oh, well, they're also this, and they're also this, and then it starts to come to the forefront. Yeah, I, I can get that. the、uh, The biggest example for that I can think of is、uh, becoming roommates with some friends in college, because、um, I mean, there are certain people who I could probably say I would live, be able to live with, like no problem, and then there are other people who. I know I'm friends with, but I know for a fact that like if I live with them, I would probably go crazy. Yeah, it really plays into like there are some people who are great friends, but not all friends make good roommates. Yeah, right. Because how people live is really different. You could you could have a really chill person who's just like terrible to to room with, or you could have someone else who's like not really personable but does all their roommate stuff correctly.、Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people fall into the trap, like in college, where it's like. Oh, I've been friends with this person, so and so, for like years and years throughout high school. Like, we should be able to make a good roommate pair, right?、Mm-hmm. But, What about that one roommate you had that really smelled bad? <laughs> <laughs> he just smelled like trash. Oh, call him out. What's his name? Oh,、uh, his, his name. name is. And he smoked cigarettes in his room, right? Oh yeah, you mean welcome. Punch. That was a good dude. I'll bleep it. Yeah. And you're walking. You're like, it smells like shit, dude. Damn. Yeah. To all you roommates, all you friend roommates, right now, just just do just be a good roommate. Yeah. Set some、I、set some ground、it. rules. I think tangent. Like I think、uh, roommate roommate living and friend living is just completely different lifestyles that need to be considered different. Like I think. People get weirded out when you try and live with your friends because, like, there's all these things you have to do. Like, you have to ask for money so that you can pay, like, either rent or utilities.、Mm-hmm. You have to ask people to like do things sometimes, especially when things get busy. Like, can you do the dishes or can you take out the trash? And nobody wants to be confrontational with your friends, right? That's、yeah. uncomfortable because、uh, you don't want to. You, you don't want to ruin your friendship. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a big part about why certain friendships die when people are roommates because, like, you know, all, already, like. If you、uh, if you go into it with this idea that if you're confrontational, you ruin the friendship, and you want to preserve the friendship at all costs, you start to forget things about being good a good roommate, and so things sort of fall off. Or just being like、off. a decent human. Yeah, 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 but but some people really like live differently, right?、Yeah. Where they they don't want to clean something like as often as you might want to, and preferences about this or that get really exacerbated while you're a roommate with somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, like. The rules applying to friendship and roommateship are totally different, and we should just recognize that right now because that's like a big deal moving forward for anyone. But you can find the rare occasion where the two cross over very well. Like me,、yeah. I lived with the same dude for three years. Yeah, Matt, if you listen to this episode, that's you. So 
Good yeah, job. that was me and Henry. Thanks for being like, a good roommate. I got super lucky with Henry, actually. Yeah. So, so Henry's a really interesting case study from like friendship with me because <laughs> this is super cringy. But when I first was going to school, I figured out we were roommates and I sent him like an email that was really, really formal. <laughs> I was like, hello, my name is John Paul. Wait, Pimbowski. was he a rando? Yeah, he was a random oh. roommate. I had, I had no idea who I was going to room with and then I just, he got picked. And I sent him this really cringy email. Uh, and it's funny because once we became friends, he thought the email was hilarious. And he actually posted it. And like I look back on it all the time like this is the what lamest is thing I've ever done. But um, but I think that was such an interesting thing because we started off kind of rocky. Like I don't think he liked me very much. And then uh, we we sort of grew together based on like we were together all the time. But I think we we like were able to talk about a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and and our friend our bond grew mainly because like I don't know we we had really similar interests, but we had like different different personalities, and so once we got through that, there were a lot of good things that could happen, you know. Yeah. Have you ever had that where like you've met someone where you don't think they like you, or maybe you guys like don't coalesce nicely right off the oh, bat, but then you like somewhere down the line they're like. Yeah, you're a cool guy. And Something then you're happens, just like, I right? thought you hated me. Yeah, yeah. Have you had that before? Uh, not personally, but I've heard so- stories about that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, luckily for me, I just don't like it when people hate me. So, <laughs> Right. I think yeah, that's hilarious, though. How about you, Dan? Yeah, a little bit. So at my job, I'm like in the QA tech, I'm the office guy. And it's connected to the production facility. So then you have all the working class people. You have like the shipping receiving team. You have mm-hmm. all the operators. And then it's like. They look at me and it's kind of like a status issue. They're calling me a um, college boy. Because you're like, like the young guy? Because I'm the young guy. I'm in the office. I got like a like a college degree job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like crazy, anything too nuts, but it's, just, it's a good job. So, with that, like I had to kind of get myself to um, be more friendly to them. So, it's like so they can look past that status issue because I still have to work together with them. I have to be able to yeah. get them to. Um, help me out with uh, boxes or whatever, getting a weight and measurement, doing whatever. We still have to work together. And at the end of the day, it's all like we're just trying to get something done. So it's like getting past that was hard. But I was able to do it. I think I'm getting along with them pretty well now. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point, actually. Like being nice to people, even like even though you might have like uh, preliminary feelings of like clashing, mm-hmm. you know, you might you might see someone and you don't think they like you. You might you might get a weird vibe from them. Yeah. I think that's only more reason to be nice to them and to show <laughs> off that like, hey, like maybe we have some sort of barrier that keeps us from being like super close. And maybe you don't like me because of this one reason, but we can move past this. And I'm not I'm not the embodiment of this one thing. Right. Yeah. There's a yeah. there's an old comic strip that's like. Be nice to the crazy guy in school because you never know when he'll like yeah. lash out. Oh my god, when he'll like he'll go. Postal. Yeah, he'll, like, he'll, it's, it's like it's like the comic is it shows like multiple days of like hey hey man hey man whatever, and then the last panel is like he kicks down the door with a gun in his hand. Oh and my he, god! And he goes and he's just like thanks for the candy, and then he walks away and you're just like oh. holy <laughs> shit, dude. I mean that's a super extreme. When example. was this from? Is this from it like was old? It was very like early man. internet that I remember. I was gonna say like the school shooter thing became like it's not even a meme. It's just a problem. It's just is a what thing it now. Yeah. I think that. Just, well, anything that becomes a problem becomes a meme. I, I think like that in particular really shows how um, you know being friends with someone doesn't like you know maybe being friends for you or you personally means something else. But for a lot of people being friends can really depend on like those little instances of uh, saying hi. Just be nice. Yeah, right. I think 
those moments were really pertinent in, in junior high when we didn't know anything. It was really apparent for me because I was moving back from being on the opposite side of America. Mm-hmm. And I was coming into a, I was coming into a school system where everyone grew up together and everyone to the same like schools together, played on the same sports teams. And I effectively felt like an outsider for a long time. And so like being uh, superimposed on a group of people who were really familiar and this one weirdo dude who was coming from Hawaii, who was like deaf, who was, you know, this community was more white than not. Mm-hmm. This guy was coming in Asian. It was interesting coming into that whole thing. And when people uh, started saying hi to me and just acknowledged me in general, it, it really bolstered my uh, opinion of myself because it was like, oh, I'm recognized. Like, I'm not this nobody. And people are willing to actually accept me into this circle. Yeah. And so uh, a few things are important about that. Just how the circles of society really become apparent right around that time, I think. Like cliques and circles of people and groups are more partitioned off around that time of your life. And those little interactions with anybody, even the quiet kids who are like kind of shy or even people who don't feel comfortable, just like being nice to them and being friends on their terms and, you know, being friendly is such an important aspect of growing up for a lot of people. Yeah. And especially for the school shooter meme, <laughs> which unfortunately is our, our meme of the oh, day and our of death the talk of the oh, day. Oh, yeah. The thing right? that because we all, stuff about dying. Right. It's just <laughs> always like that. I, I think a lot of those people who are in those situations really yearn for some type of maybe not attention, but recognition because something else happens in their life that's not good. Yeah. And so. Well, that's be, just a basic human need. Yeah. So. Right. But so being that sort of uh, voice of recognition is so important for a lot of people. And and how many, you know, like how, how much does it really cost to be a good person to someone or to be generally nice to somebody? It's not very hard. There's not yeah, a lot of effort that goes into it, right? <laughs> just do, yeah, you can do the little things and sometimes, you know, the yeah. little things count or what count sometimes. So. It sounds like a personal charge right now. Uh, it's like the actually nothing like charge <laughs> is be nice to everyone like this week and the next and the next. Dude, my personal life mantra is just the number one easiest way to get through life is just like, just don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> just be neutral at the very least. Like you don't have to go out of your way to bend over backwards and do everything to make somebody like you, but just like, don't, just don't be a dick. <laughs> you know, I, I got the, be- I got some of the best advice from this, uh, one of my friends who is a composer. We were, we actually weren't friends when he had said this to me, but I was, uh, I was interviewing him and he goes, uh, we go like, what's the best advice you can give like a young upcoming musician in the world? And he goes, uh, uh, always be cool. Always hang. And it's like, that's, that's so important. Like always being cool is like the most important advice that, because people are going to remember that you can hang and that you're really nice. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's like so important in, in a world that's so heavily dictated by either networking or the people, you know, in these industries. Right. So yeah, that yeah. phrase sort of co- sounds like it comes off from like a, a surfer bro. Like, <laughs> Just always be cool, man. He's like coming off a just huge, hang. He's coming off a huge wave. Yeah. He's like carrying his board. He's like, hey man, be cool. And, just then, he, be cool, and then he surfs bro. off into the, like a, the distance. <laughs> like, oh wow, thanks, Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, existentialist surfer man. Hey man, keep Dan, it real. Your uh, conversation about coworkers though that brought up one of the points that I wrote down was: Do you think coworkers can become friends? Oh. Yeah, they can. <laughs> and that's oh, okay, it. and that's it. Thank you for listening. We're up now. 
That's it's. I mean, it's an it's a different dynamic, right? Because like, definitely, yeah. you're there to do a job, and you're not at all obligated to become friends with somebody. But mm-hmm. sometimes you do. Sometimes, uh, well, you're kind of the only one who's really in that situation right now. And yeah, you're. You said that you was it sort of like a thing that you felt you had to do out of obligation, or was it just a, an organic become thing? Friends, yeah. Well, you want to be friendly just so you can work with them. Okay. Yeah, because if you're hard to work with and people are gonna, not going to want to work with you so, so it, was, it, it carries both a practical and like personal um, sort of thing right mm-hmm. where yeah. being being friendly and, and being friends with your people who are working with you is as uh, a practical thing but it also is just good for everyone as well definitely yeah. i found that i've got um in my working situations i work with other teachers and when i started working there i wanted really hard to just be a I'd be someone who is accepted in this circle as well. And it, it's sort of that thing. And I did my best to be really nice. And um, and just to like, not not show off, but I really wanted to communicate that I was really open and I was really into what everyone else is doing. And I wanted to show them that I was a friendly person that could hang out and like, isn't always uptight about everything. Mm. And I think like those relationships that developed out of uh, out of that like work style realism and hanging out outside of work really developed into uh, meaningful relationships for me, right? Like my, um, the coworkers that I have at one of my jobs are like, they're good friends. Of, they're good friends of mine. And I actually, I really value their friendship a lot right now, especially like we're all in the same grind together. And so just knowing that there are other people doing similar things as me and that we all like each other and we all do things for each other and we're all cool is like a relief and a great assurance. Yeah. I think it sort of depends on the context of your job too, though. Like, for you, there's multiple people who need to work together very well in order for that product or whatever you're working on to be successful, right? Yeah. Whereas in the context of yours, it's sort of like it's more of multiple people in the same group, but you don't necessarily have to be on the same page. Like you're kind of off doing your own things. You just true. happen to be in the same building, right? Yeah, and yeah. Like same thing for me with coaching. Like we don't all have to work together exactly because we all have like our own teams or whatever but we're just we just happen to be in the same geographical location and so in that case i think the way you could develop a co-worker friendship is slightly different because if you have to become a well-oiled machine then yeah you probably want to be friends with that person just so they're like okay with you whereas in our situation like it's probably not the end of the world if you don't want to go grab a beer with your co-worker outside of work or something like that right that's true that's yeah. true so there's a little bit of different but mine mine's also a little bit of a fringe case because i have some of the people that i work with were friends or my friends before i worked with them so that one's a little bit different but no i think um that really it's really pertinent for people who also move far away to do jobs because i think after college especially for undergrad um, or even after your master's degree, people get opportunities that are out of state. Yeah. And and it's in heavily industrialized areas. I'm talking about you guys, you STEM researchers and you engineers and you uh, anyone doing lots of research in, and even your case, like renewable energy, like that sort of work takes you all over the place. And I think when you have to move all over the place, it's almost uh, it's almost imperative that you do make friends with your coworkers, if not for a practical sense, then for like this, the uh, sake of your own self-care mm-hmm. and of just having people in your life that can be foundational and, and secure. Um, I, mean, I think like having a, a security people or a group of people who are like 
your foundational support is important in any sort of context. And especially when you leave geographically, you don't have the same people anymore. And so the switch to different people is important. And that sort of period where you start to know people, where you have the chance to be friendly with them is of the utmost importance, especially like when you start working somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason why I still want to stay in Illinois for the time being. Cause like, while I, for me in my industry, while I could totally just go West coast where like everything for me personally is available, yeah. I'm just not ready to leave like the comfort that I have with all you guys, all my other friends, family that's still here. So yeah, work my way so, around it eventually. I mean, that's something I'm considering too with um, applying for grad school next year mm-hmm. or this coming fall. Actually, is the PhD program? Yeah, yeah, Ooh. applying for PhDs is. I really want to stay. Doctor JP, I'm I'm trying, man. It's gonna yeah. happen. I uh I really want to stay here, and I I, I really want to stay here because all of my roots are here. Um, I've laid all of my groundwork for my work and all of the my connections here. Mm. But like, I also don't want to leave. You know, my family is here. Yeah. My sisters might go to college at the same university as me, um, and I want to stay close to her as well. And you guys are here, and like Peter and I have a central hub around here as well. Mm. And so, like, these are really important relationships for me. And just knowing that, um, just knowing that I might like have to leave, it gives me a bit of like worry. And so, like, I put, I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to like stay right here and yeah. do everything here so that I can really set up shop and I can start yeah, we're um, a good location though. Yeah. And I mean like uh, in, there's something about Chicago too, to go off a little bit. I, I, I like the city a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You ever, you ever go to like certain cities and you fall in love with like a certain city. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like Chicago and um, not to say that I wouldn't fall in love with a different city, but I don't, I, I don't have the same sort of distaste for the city that a lot of people who come here do have, right? Yeah. Have well, you, I mean, it's got like everything you need. Plus, also we grew up really close to it, so we kind of know it inside and out already. Yeah, and I, I think like Chicago, on a more practical sense too, is one of the more livable cities, especially yeah. with the wage and how rent is. Like, it's 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 gonna come up. I think like the there's lots of businesses moving to Chicago, and that's really good for everyone, and it's you know affordable to live here. Yeah. So tangent but um i I think in any sort of instance where you might have to move for work or for school it really becomes important to have this relationship with coworkers or student or fellow students or whatever peers right because you want to work well in a situation pragmatically and also as like a well-oiled machine for a lot of people because a lot of the cases that's the only time when you'll be seeing people on a reoccurring basis and that could be very well be the foundation for a new like strong friendship in that new location. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not an easy thing. I mean, I just said I'm like, I'm struggling to try to do that. I mean, I feel like I will down the line, but not, not right now, but I yeah. mean, Hey, more power to the people that can totally just like go Jump to ship, a completely right? like, yeah. new place. Cause like some of my friends jump to different countries. Like I have two friends right now that are in Thailand. They're teaching English there, which is super cool. But it's amazing that they could just, you know, leave the states and everything that they knew and just yeah, start a start a whole yeah. life over there. So, yeah. hey, Joey, Sophia, if you ever hear this, yeah. good job. Um, I, you know, some degree, like, uh, I think I appreciate Jordan for that as well. Oh, yeah. um, if he ever listens to this, like, um, it was a, uh, it was always like cool to have him around. But I think I, I really admire just like he wanted to do this one thing and he put it, he set himself up to it and did it, mm-hmm. and then he like. He was in Guam for a while. I think he's in Seattle now. Yeah, just like yeah. that's just so it's just super cool and like respectable and like to, to just have the courage to do that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's roll this one into uh, our ability to still talk to those people because even though Jordan's off 
on the other side of the country, we can still get messages to him in like two seconds because of like our phones and stuff, right? I think the that's rad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's a, it, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before, how easy it is to talk to people, but I think especially now it makes long distance friendships, you know, or long distance relationships in any capacity much easier and much more bearable because you can still stay up to date with people and you don't have to wait until the next time they're in town to actually see what they're doing or what they're going to be ta- like, what to expect from them, right? Yeah. And not to say that those things automatically replace um, a face-to-face conversation, but it definitely like makes it easier. It facilitates that entire relationship. Mm-hmm. You, you'd said it really nicely before where it's like, we have, we have the same sort of uh, ease of communication that we would normally have in face-to-face conversation, but instead of them having to be physically here, they, uh, you know, they're like across the world or something. Yeah. And so we, we, we can basically have these same relationships, but through a device. Mm-hmm. And, and the device allows us to basically work, uh, work in different areas and keep larger networks of friends and of acquaintances. And I think that's one of the reasons why our, our list or our group or list of acquaintances and friends is so large. Because how many people, you know, are on your friends list on Facebook or how many followers My do you space. have? MySpace. MySpace, man. Like, Who's on your top 10? Yeah, seriously. That's, <laughs> it, but it's crazy, though, because like these are all people now who you would consider at least in some capacity your friend mm-hmm. when there's like maybe a thousand of them or 700 or 800, this many people. But I think it's all just brought upon by the the power of technology right now. Yeah. It being able to be connected this well and so quickly also maintains a higher quality of relationship because, you know, before phones and stuff, if the next time you could see each other was like two months, you might sort of become estranged because, Oh, well, you didn't know what was going on with that person in that month. But now you could still find out what they're doing like hour to hour if you really wanted to. Yep. And by that, it sort of feels like they never really left in the first place, which is more or less a good thing just because, well, depending on how you view it. But at the very least, you know you have that option of staying up to date with that person. So That's true. Yeah. But it's also different because I read a thing or I've heard a thing. I don't know how true it is, but there is sort of like an upper limit on the number of people that you can really hold a like strong relationship with just because logistically you can't be friends, good friends with a million people. There's not enough time in your day to devote to each and every one of those individuals and maintain the same quality of friendship as you know, you would if you only had 10 people when technology lets you obviously lets you expand your friend circle and keep higher quality of friendship with much more people than you used to. But you know, it can get diluted by how many you really try to. So yeah, I, I think additionally with technology, uh, we had spoken about this last time as well. But being able to share um, humor and share these things that we consume in pop culture—you can together. just say memes, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but I want to extend it to more than just memes, though, because like you know, li- like links to YouTube videos or links to certain events, these sort of things. Songs. Yeah, like songs too, like albums of bands that we all like to come out and that we want to share with each other. It's so much easier to share that with somebody and have that moment with somebody outside of seeing them in person. Like Dan and I, like Dan can send me a message about, hey, this band has a new song coming out. Like maybe we should consider going to this this event that they're doing. And then and then we'll find a we can find the event and I can send him a link to that. And so those 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 sort of shared moments that 
I think beforehand would have had to happen in person. We'd have to like maybe try and go to like a booking agent and try and see yeah. who's playing. We would have to see like if our schedules would be available like in person. All those things are just um, they're dwindled down into these little moments that you can have over your phone. It takes like less than two minutes to do it too. Yeah. Um, and the same thing for like big chungus man like that's all <laughs> something that we like and that's all something that we find funny and we just like throw it in the group chat and see what happens and like i need my daily big chungus fix <laughs> here you go 5 p.m right on that i think if you don't you're not living your healthiest life yeah. dude i still think that meme is so funny like it's so this stupid but i think it's meme. funny for some reason. honestly <laughs> the fact that somebody could go in let's talk about like how Honker. like technologically too somebody could go in take the dumb still image from an old cartoon <laughs> that was what like the 60s or something yeah. and then just have it proliferate over the internet as if it's just like now it's all something we're uh enjoying together it's because our, the ease of access has turned us into a hive mind <laughs> it really has everybody's humor is starting to like mold together right because of all Do you ever stuff, have those so. moments with your friends where it's like hey have you seen this meme tan's looking up big chunks right now <laughs> um i uh you ever have these moments where like you're trying to share a meme with somebody and and they're like oh i saw that and it's like it's ruined yeah because you're just of like that. damn it no, you already like, saw this. Like Kelby and I, like I'm almost on the brink of trying to unfollow things that she follows so that we can have it's separate fresh. memes. Yeah, so we can have a fresh <laughs> thing of memes going. Because I don't want to have to deal with like stale memes between us. That that like, just ties back into the whole you're oh, gonna get burned know, out on everything that you already yeah, knew. That's a big chunk is right there. That's true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep things fresh. Find find different interests that you can still mold together with. But I still think that even before nowadays where everything is instantly um like back in 2000 and what 7 or 8 when we were when we were young was it 2007 it was 2004 right when we were playing RuneScape uh cuz we were 2004, like 2004 10, 10 yeah something yeah, around something, there around the early 2000s like third grade yeah there was a point when when my family had moved to Hawaii and um and Aaron and I and all of us who had all been friends already, but we couldn't hang out anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we all bonded together was Aaron was playing this game called RuneScape. And every, and you know, this should be like common knowledge, I think, for a lot of people who are listening to this. And like, <laughs> um, but so I was like, screw it, let's try this game out. And we all just like started playing this game for three years. And, and part of the reasoning for us playing it was that. Um, it's really addictive. But two was that when we were all on together, we could just chat and we would have like, we would talk to each other via the thing. We would do like quests together. We would do little missions together or whatever. And it would, it would be like a hang, like a really long distance hang. And mm -hmm. I felt that the, those moments were uh, like pretty cool actually, because, um, you know, those are things that we could have together without having to be in the same general vicinity. And it's 2004 yeah. before like the smartphone, before like, the dissemination of these really esoteric memes. I mean, the only right? other option that you had at the time was like email or yeah, AIM. email, which we didn't really use. It was no. the first case where we could feel like we were really hanging out without having to be in the same room. Right. I, I think that's, that's the special thing about it too, that really that aim or instant messaging didn't really take or even email was that we were doing things together uh, and we were really having a hang over like a stupid MMO. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, Diablo 2 back then that was the game that I was man on. Diablo 2 is rad though 
Like, yeah, you showed was, me that game a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were on Battle.net. Yeah. I, was, I remember playing with my cousin. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm playing online with my cousin. Right. But, but even <laughs> that, that. Like the beginning. But even that, like at that time was so, it was crazy to us. Like that you would just plug in on something and we'd get, we'd be together. Right? Yeah. It so. was different. Well, I think it's also because it gave you something to do more than just talk. Yeah. Because whenever you used AIM, like if your conversation died out, then you're like, well, okay, bye. <laughs> but if you were playing a game together that had a chat function, you could talk and do things together, right? Yeah. And this sort of rolls into a point that I want to bring up is uh, online friends. Do you guys have any online friends that you like specifically, like you've never met them in person, but you have more Man. or less like met them online or through some other means? I do. Oh, I personally do. You really? That's yeah, really I do. Cool. Wait, yeah. you elaborate because I got to think about. Okay, that. fine. Yeah, I'll I'll tangent about it a little bit. Well, I'm a hashtag gamer. <laughs> spent a lot of my life. <laughs> I, know, I spent a lot of my time uh, playing online video games, and inevitably, you kind of just talk to people that are playing the same game as you, and just so it turns out that people, just like in real life, like to build communities around each other if they have common interests, and that sort of happened to me. So. Through RuneScape, well, not really through RuneScape, it was a little bit later, but some of the games that I still play today even, uh, I have friends that have become like actual friends outside of just the context of the game, which I think is different and really cool. Do you know and, their real name? Yeah, I do, actually. They know mine, too. They know that I'm doing this. Hey, Nar, shout out to you if you're listening. Nar. Yeah, Nar, no. Nar Axis. He's, he's a cool guy. Um, but it's it's different because I think a lot of people still sort of feel would say that like oh you only met this person online like you've never met them in person like they're they're not a real friend like what has to qualify what like what what are the qualifications for somebody to be considered a real friend is it just you have common interests do i have to have a handshake to seal the deal with them like no if 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 they do we appreciate- have a handshake to seal our deal as friends no shit <laughs> okay Maybe well Voice yeah, you're right. We do have the we do have the handshake. Okay, okay. Price verdict. Yeah. Keep going. But you, you get what I mean. It's like as long as you're enjoying each other's company, then you can consider yourselves friends. And lucky for me, like I've found enough people. Surprisingly, I found enough people online that are like cool that I would totally hang out with in person if they were here. And that's a different thing. I just think that perspective is unique almost to people who play online games or even people who join like music forums or if you're very passionate about passionate, why did I say it like that? Yeah. If you're very passionate about a specific topic, I'm sure you can find a website that's dedicated entirely to that. And then you could find people within that just to say, Hey, you know, well, it, it takes away the anonymity that comes with anonymity. The, is that how you say anonymity? Anonymity. Wow. What? Whatever. It, it, it takes away the, uh, the sort of mystery behind what everybody usually sees as just their internet persona and you actually get to know the person behind that profile. Mm. And it's just, it's a, it's a different take on friendship. And I think it'd be cool if more people got to experience it because it's very different, but you know, I read a, um, I read a, a Reddit post, which is our Reddit post. Reddit talk of the day. Like enthusiastic. I read a Reddit post about, um, a wife uh, whose husband had been on like part of the same group of guys that played some online video game. And one of the guys had died actually who was part of the group. And so they actually went, they all were on chat together and they all just shared these moments um, where they all had a lot of fun together. And I think 
that really showed her how like these communities really do build like friendships that are just uh, across the wire. Yeah. Right. And that's it's they are like real friendships and real things, relationships that you can build with each other. I mean, how many people like how many examples do we have to find where people like met over World of Warcraft or RuneScape and they met up in real life? I got married, got married or yeah. became really good friends. There are right? tons of examples of that. I mean, yeah. if you want to take that to an even more modern example, there's Tinder. Yeah, right. I mean, oh, yeah. people using Tinder or social dating apps, like majority of those people probably haven't met before in person, but this happened to connect them with the internet. Yeah. And now I you can actually. attached to that though, yeah. so it is a little bit well, different in the game. It's different That's because true. you I have like a physical profile, but yeah, like same means kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can definitely just from having typed conversation written conversation you could learn a lot about a person's personality yeah you can like without this and without the prejudice of like you know who whatever they look like or whatever you think they're about you know you just get their banter Mm. and i think that's like really important towards building especially online relationships where the way you communicate with people is super important well that's the only thing that you can glean off of them you don't have a face to see right Some people are better at communicating verbally or typing oh yeah and then then they are verbally communicating that's also another thing. Yeah, talking yeah. is hard. If you type it out, you have time to think about what you're gonna tell other people. Exactly. So you have like a shield to or filter to go through. It's and one of some the, people don't know how to write though, because they don't use commas and stuff. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> their what grammar the just sucks. Saying? Yeah, but sometimes like if you can understand what they're trying to say, does it really matter? No, if your grammar it, sucks, I don't want to yeah, be friends it, with you. <laughs> well, if you can't understand them, so if they, if they say like why and they don't put a question mark or something, and then it'd be like. Maybe that's a bad example, but there's some... That is a bad example. There's some... Um, maybe, maybe he's just Mexican and he's saying and? Yeah. <laughs> e? I always like when they uh, when you see the ha 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 on like a chat, but it's all J's. 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 Yeah, it's because yeah, that's yeah. how they spell it in different countries. I think that's awesome. Yeah, they like, legitimately that's, that's spell so ha because J makes the H sound. So they go, yeah, I know. I'm not questioning why that happens. <laughs> I'm appreciating it. You sound like you had another point though, Dan, that you wanted to continue about. Yeah. Sorry, I really went on with that. Yeah, right. I forgot it. <laughs> we lost our train <laughs> of like, thought. It was just like so when people have bad grammar and then they can't um, put on the word on the phone or typing, uh-huh. they can't type out what they're trying to say. It doesn't come across the same, and it just uh, ruins the conversation. Because mm-hmm. you sort of lose inflection in like certain. Yeah, if you're not as articulate things, yeah. on your phone or on your text or on your chat as you would be verbally. And it doesn't come across the same. That's true. It's like sarc- sometimes if you type a sarcastic comment or something, people will just yeah, they take it at face it. value. Exactly. You, know, like, you ever try an email sarcasm? No. I just like, I gave <laughs> up on that. Like, I, I think I sent an email with sarcasm to someone and it just didn't go over very well. And so like, I gave up on it really early on <laughs> in favor of just sounding really like jubilant all the time. <laughs> yes, of course, with like three exclamation points. <laughs> I can do that. They didn't get the message. Yeah, I, I don't want to deal with like possible miscommunications and misconstrations. So like, yeah. Just cut it off early. Yeah, seriously. I got another thing that we can talk about. Sure. Um, do you remember the exact way you became friends with some people? Because for me, there are a few people that I can pinpoint the exact moment in time where I'm like, yes, this person is my friend. But with other people, I'm just like, I don't know when we became friends, but I know that we're we're just friends now. Like for you guys, I could totally pinpoint. Like I know in it happened at church. At church, yeah, and we like we had know, conversation. The situation. Of I it? remember the situation with JP. Yeah, ours was uh, ours was like this, like was weird. Yeah, 
So we were both at the urinal in the bathroom. <laughs> were, they were set up right next to each other. We, we had like two urinals right there. Sword fighting. <laughs> Cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you're in first grade. It's like, what grade are you in? JP's like, I'm in first grade. I was like, I'm in first grade too. And that was that it. Was yeah. it. And that it was, was all it. history after that. See, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. You can be yeah. friends when you're little with something as little as that. Like, it doesn't take a whole lot to like want to become friends with somebody when you're that young. I, I, Aaron, love, I, I love the fact that it was like all circumstantial I remember, too. I think I remember. What was yours with Aaron? My, my earliest memory with Aaron was when, um, like in children's church, we would pray and then, um, we had these chairs set up, and then like we'd bow our heads, but then you'd look at me from underneath the chair, <laughs> yeah. and then he'd just be gooning, like looking at me throwing the chair, and I was like, oh. I remember that. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. The other thing, thing for us was that we always joked about how my middle name was your first name, so that was that Ooh. always was a common That's thing. your middle name? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, see? That shows that. Okay. Yeah, that's the so that this is this is great because like all of the things that we bonded over are completely circumstantial. They're so like random. Like, yeah, know. it's just like that's we had no control over any of those things, but we we're just like rad. Like, yeah. Nice job, guys. I remember for you and Peter, it was just that my sisters were talking to your parents, and then we were standing around. And I was just like, "Hi!" <laughs> and we were just, "Hey!" Now we're friends. We well, we used to one of the key moments for us was we used to hang out. Back when church was still like unrenovated, they had these. Oh, just a side they, door. They had these, they yeah. had these vents, and in the summer it would get super hot. We'd always sit on the vents because it'd get <laughs> oh, really yeah. cold. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Like we would like trade Pokemon or some shit, and then like sit on the vents and like keep all just the cold air. Yeah, yeah. It was cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, with like with us, I can totally pinpoint it. But with like some of my high school friends or college friends, I I don't remember. I, mm-hmm. I just know at one point I probably said hey, and then it just organically happened. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like some of my friends who I like some of my like really close friends and how I met them. And for a few of them, it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't remember with Peter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, me neither with Peter. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, it's just okay, we're there. Yeah, <laughs> we're friends. I remember with, um, there's a sort of moment with me and my one friend Alex where we, um, we did, we were always hung out in the same group and I, and we always like respected each other's input in the group, but we, we never really hung out. And then just one year, just sort of like like this, and we were just like, I guess we're friends okay. now. Yeah, and it's like this is cool. We were in we were in like a chamber group together too, where I was playing piano and he was playing cello, and and we just we weren't that good of friends, but we had really bonded well over like that sort of thing and hanging out in the same group. So mm-hmm. I think that was more of like a process where there was a bunch of different things that led to us being friends, but I can't pinpoint the exact precise moment. You know, I don't think you have to either, because like when yeah. I said earlier, when you start to lose track of how many people, yeah, then like you know whatever, as long as you know you're cool with the other person, then yep, who really cares? I, I've always wanted to bring up this. I think that I like have a good sense of vibe when I meet people and how I interact with people. And you ever get this where you, you meet someone and something just seems a little bit off or like a little disingenuous, and it affects how I interact with them from then on. Mm-hmm. And until something like proves my vibe incorrect, like I'll continue to be like in this, uh, in this sort of prejudice mm-hmm. right before. And, 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 in, 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 in like, there are certain cases where like that vibe has definitely served me well, where like I was correct about my, <laughs> about my foreshadowing. <laughs> you're like, yeah. This guy's totally a serial killer. And then yeah, two I, weeks later, there's a document that's like, local man's a serial killer. You're like, I knew it. I, I shouldn't have been friends with him. <laughs> but, uh, I think there's definitely been moments where 
I like, I, I didn't feel good about, you know, meeting someone. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be bad news for if they keep hanging out with us. And it, it ended up being bad news anyways. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. And had that come out like that? I, I get what you mean, where you totally get the idea of somebody being like a little off. Yeah. And usually those people tend to be like friends of friends and kind of just like tag along. And then it's just like, yeah, okay. So like for me personally, it, it was, I don't really care that much, but since they were a mutual friend, that was fine. But I guess within that other inner circle, it sort of didn't work out. Yeah. But nothing as extreme as like that person would have ruined the friendship mm. that I had with another person if they were in. It doesn't really work like that. I guess that. all the situations that I've ever had were just like, I, I would I would meet someone who's an acquaint who's a friend of somebody else. And I would just think like, that seemed like a really weird conversation. And I bet like things don't last well with, with that, whatever relationship. Um, And I think for me, that speaks a lot more towards body language and how people uh, present themselves publicly. Yeah. Because that really does make a difference in how we, how we construct friendships. So like the way, like, like you said before, like first impressions are very important. And um, if you give a weird impression or any type of impression that you're being disingenuous, I think people can tell right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that's been programmed into us to to be careful about and to be aware of. And so, I don't know. I, I don't. I try not to judge as well. I, I I like to be open minded as much as as much as possible because, like, you know, sometimes people might have bad days. And for God's sakes, like, I've got the worst like resting bitch face of all time. <laughs> and like, people just think I'm mad for for no reason. There is someone. I had a friend who was like are you mad? I don't want to, I didn't want to approach you because you looked angry. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just chilling. Like I'm, I'm great actually. And it's just because like my resting face is just like, uh, you natural know, scowl. Yeah. It's just, it's just the natural scowl. And I, I was born with this. It's totally circumstantial. But, but so I think you, you want to give the benefit of the doubt at all times, but it, it's normally when I meet people and I have conversation with them that I get a sense of something being off. Yeah. I right? think it's because you're just more hyper aware of body language when you first come into contact with somebody. I think of yourself and others as well. Yeah. Because like for me, uh, specifically, the way somebody walks kind of tells me like how they carry themselves. Their gait? Yeah, kind of. Like if somebody comes in and they're all kind of like, you know, that like cool guy stride, like they're like (laughs) chest is puffed out and they're like kind of hot shit. The cool guy stride, huh? You you know what I'm talking about? Like Kind of, sort of. Sort of. of. I mean, it's it's not as deliberately pronounced. Like you don't have somebody who's walking out that's just like, (laughs) look at me. I have big chest muscles and my biceps are here. It's not like that. Maybe you should try that out. (laughs) No, well then I would be doing the same thing to other people. They'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, but maybe you boost your confidence if you felt like you had a bigger chest. Maybe, but but like, I I don't know. that, That specifically for me, that and eye contact are the two things that are like the tells for me what like no eye contact or over too much eye contact well if i'm meeting somebody for the first time and i'm trying to have a conversation with them like just small talk to try to get comfortable with them for a little bit if they're not glancing at me at all or it clearly tells me that they're like paying attention to something beyond me i'm like all right well fuck you too like there's, there's, there's like why am i having this conversation in the first place like clearly they're not interested at all right that's true so then you know that your investment in that person at the time, like probably not worth it. So very true. Do you know about that? Um, I had read something about the body language where like people will will like generally point their feet in the direction that they either want to impress or they're trying to direct attention towards. Mm-hmm. I've I've read that. I actually do pay attention to that when I'm talking to somebody. Yeah. So I always pay attention to how to where I'm facing. I think I think you make a good point with eye contact 
Um, whenever you're trying to give people utmost attention and you want them to feel like what they're trying to say is important, eye contact is one of those things where, <laughs> yeah, you want to be like that for everyone listening. They just totally turned away from this, whatever I was saying. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. And I'm going to, I'm going to stare, what'd you real, say? I'm going to stare really hard at you whenever you're talking now. <laughs> you so, that, you know, I, so now, you know, I'm really ingrained yeah. in what you're saying. Okay. But, um, like how you, how you hold, what is it? Eye contact with them. Uh-huh. And also like. Um, how open you are with uh, with your torso and your body language, right? Because if you t- if you talk like with the crossed arm looked, it's automatically like you're you're trying to communicate that I'm closed off, yeah, right. That I'm either incredulous of what you're trying to say, Ooh, or I'm not, word. yeah, right. Uh, but or I'm <laughs> not been on point today, yeah. I'm, or like I'm not totally convinced about what you're trying to say. This this position looks really weird. Or if you're like this, if you have a more open position with your chest. Like, oh, <laughs> you're T-posing at them. You're T-posing at them. <laughs> yeah. You're more of a U-pose, so you're like almost hugging them. Uh-huh. It shows welcoming and it shows, you know. But I think that those aspects of conversation or those aspects of meeting people is important because you show off like certain parts of your personality that would be otherwise that would otherwise n- not be communicable because you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You're not trying to say like, hey, I'm really <laughs> open to your ideas right <laughs> yeah. now. You don't have to set like... The exact exposition of the situation that you're in to be like, I am willing to have a conversation with you. I am not willing to have your presence near me. Like, you don't have to do that. You, that's what body language is for. But I mean, think about like when people in the hallways in high school, when they're talking or not even in high school, just at any point when a big group of people are talking, they're all in a circle, right? They're all pointed inwards. So if somebody else out from the outside is trying to get in on that conversation and be friends, I guess in this case, and nobody opens up, then they're like, well, I can't get in on this circle, so I'm clearly not part of that group, right? Whereas if you had people who were talking and their little spaces are there kind of more side to side and not closed off and there's whatever was open, then it's like, okay, so this seems like an approachable group. So, hmm. Yeah, I guess you can really tell the sort of uh, what type of attention is being given based on like body language alone, even in large groups of people, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but I think the vibe in this sense is is definitely readable from multiple multiple perspectives, and I think it's important to you know have a mixture of both trusting the vibe, but then also like trying to be critical of like what the vibe could be, right? What do you think is being communicated? And and I don't I I think it's kind of annoying to mull over every like social interaction you have because God knows we do it at night anyways, yeah, and so like. Uh, but I think it is also kind of useful as a, as a way to help yourself, like either become a more friendly person or to, you know, warn yourself about people who you don't think are trustworthy or you don't want to invest time into. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then you got any thoughts? You got any thoughts? Or you got any thoughts? Namin? <laughs> Excuse me. Right, I'm going to look away from you so that you know that I'm in. I am not I'm, willing I'm, to I'm, have a conversation with you. I am not invested in this conversation. So I'm crossing my arms and averting my it attention. So, it sounds so robotic. I do not want to have a conversation with you. Think about how much cleaner all of our relationships would be if we could just be that open with it. Like yeah, like a like an open close sign for a store. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just if I if I feel like being friendly, it's open. If I don't, <laughs> so just it doesn't even say close. It's just a big middle finger. <laughs> Well, there is um, an aspect of being closed off, like when you shit talk your friends. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Wait, how do you mean? Expand. When, when you shit talk your friends, you're trying to be friendly, but there's always a line that you could cross where you go too far. When oh, you say like, when you like say jokey, when you say yeah. shit talk, do you mean like behind their back or to their face? To their face. Oh, it's oh. like like you're busting your balls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. There's a clear difference. Yeah, that's true. Because when you're actually friends with people, you know what they're 
like you said, threshold is, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you want to be empathetic to people, like try to see how they're talking. It's like when people are trying to be more closed off, maybe they want to have, they want to shit talk you so that if you get past that shit talk, then you could be friends with them. So it's, it's almost like, like a, putting up a wall. Hmm. It's like a gatekeeping thing. Yeah. So say like, it seems like, uh, it, it's like how, uh, it, it's like, how how to progress into certain stages of being in a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Because I guess, you know, there, there are definitely situations where people would put up natural defenses against things. And like, not to say that their friendship requires it, but in a sense to progress forward, like certain walls need to be broken down because certain trust needs to be built, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there are times when maybe like, you know, busting someone's chops can be a little bit too much or too affronting. But then like, it can also be a way to like get past certain barriers in a relationship or like to to try and cultivate a different type of camaraderie, a certain trust between people, right? Yeah. So I think that varies from person to person too though. Because yeah. then that can transform into the question of at what point can I shit talk them? Or like you said, if they get past this shit talking, then does that mean they're friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like for me, there are certainly certain friends that I could totally rip on and they'd be cool with it but like i wouldn't go up to one of my more acquaintancy friends and like just do that and expect the same reaction or expect them to like be okay with it i don't know mm-hmm. man i've been trying something where i just do it to everyone <laughs> really? and, just see, and, if, and if they they're, if they're chill with it it just works and i'm like yeah, oh you're chill like you're able to be good I, I just kind, I kind of i kind of right. expedite the process of like seeing who wants to be friends and like i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to do this sort of like song and dance where we figure it out anymore it's just like if I can be really weird with somebody right off the bat, it's like, cool. So we're, it's like not chill. even that you're trying to read their personality and test water. You just do it. Yeah. Well, that's ballsy. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of jarring. It, it's part of a thing that I can go into later or you know, on a different episode where it's like, sometimes uh, I get a little fed up with the sort of natural programming of conversation mm-hmm. where when you meet someone, there's this, there's essentially a cadence that has to happen. Yeah. Hey, how are you? How's it going? I'm good. How about you? I'm good oh. as well. And the sort of programmed conversation that comes into it. So, so there'll be, there'll be certain times <laughs> when I meet people or I'm with someone where I'll just want to break the cycle and I'll yeah. just do something like a little, uh, little like off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that sort of breeds life into any sort of situation. Give us me. an example of something that you would say to somebody who you're trying to do that to. It really depends on the situation. Uh-huh. So like, for instance, if I'm with somebody who I may or may not know very well, like an acquaintance from class, um, and we're talking about something, I might just say something a little abrasively just to see, like, just to test the waters and oh. see if they if they respond badly. But nothing super, <laughs> super hard. Oh, well, it, of course. <laughs> you don't go up to them and you're <laughs> like, hi, how was your day? You're worse than Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> if you, the odds that I do that, though, like. <laughs> one out of two. One out of two. Because then right? I have to one, do it to somebody. One, two, three, two. two. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on the next episode when our new guest is yeah on. we're gonna bring the new guests that jp became friends with by <laughs> insulting them horribly yeah that's gonna be part of our uh of our instagram page yeah. check the check the in-betweens um but so i do I, I like to do that every once in a while just because it, it like breaks the cycle interesting um but so actually uh, dan's comment brings me into like uh, a really interesting topic of like have you have we ever had any situations with our other friends um, because I know that we really we never had any b- problems, but have you had issues with your friends where maybe they pushed too many buttons on your end, or maybe you made them angry, and either you had to work it out or it didn't work out well? Like serious fights? Yeah, like a really serious issue that you had to work through a you know you had to work through with somebody. Mm, personally, no. 
I'm just not the type of person to get angry or mm. hold grudges. And I feel like if you get to the point when you have to have a conversation, like a serious conversation with somebody, then either one or both sides of the party are really like hanging on to the issue. Mm. I mean, obviously, depending on what the issue is, if it's a big issue that requires that conversation, then yeah, go ahead and have that. But if it's just for the example, like they're just like shit talking to me, like, no, whatever. I got thick skin too. So like I, things don't really bother me that much. That's true. Yeah. Most of my friends, I've never, I couldn't tell you a single person that I've ever had a legitimate like argument with. So. Huh. Because if I, I feel like for me, if I did have a legitimate argument with somebody, then they probably weren't really my friend in the first place. So. Mm-hmm. How about like smaller ones though, where like maybe maybe something happened that was really obnoxious and maybe you had to apologize or they apologized to you for it? Mm, it oh, was, go for it. Yeah, so, you know, some boy. Yes! Yeah. yeah. He's like alcoholic recently, <laughs> unfortunately. but um, yeah, Boy's got issues. So. Yeah, I mean, depression happens, I guess, and he's kind of a, like, I guess he grew up with anxiety, ADHD, those type of things. And then, um, so I guess he always wants to go driving. That's his thing. He likes driving. But if he's drunk, I don't want to drive with him. No, obviously you know, you not. And honestly, drunk driving. And that's like a danger to himself and others, man. Like, you oh, shouldn't yeah, yeah, do that. exactly. That's a good point. You know? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do drunk driving. No, it's But like that's bad. his thing. That's just what he likes to do. He likes driving. And when then he's he drunk, wa- that's, not a, that's not a hobby, though. <laughs> oh, I mean, for him, it is. Not when he's drunk. That's just a felony waiting to happen. Well, that's... What's the difference between that and a hobby for, for some people? You know, it's a hobby still. It's dangerous. It's living life on the edge. Exactly. Also, there like, not but, that I condone it, but I'm just I saying, mean, you sounded like I'm it just saying just objectively that's Do what Do we it have is. a problem that we need to work out? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, was, continue. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to drive with the, because he's drunk driving, but I do want to be friendly with him. So, you know, it's like, that's the decision I have to make. Yeah. What did you make? What does it matter? Yeah, well, we're talking about like res- resolving issues, right? Resolving so, issues? Yeah, either resolving issues or you cut them it's off a, like he's, dead weight. He's in the process of yeah. resolving. Oh, so this, this is this is one of the process things. Okay. Well, like I just said, in any of those situations, you either resolve the issues or you cut it off like it's a gangrenous weight. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, I chose not to drunk drive, but I guess the first couple times I was like, yeah, whatever. We're just going to the mall or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, I think it's that points good- to larger issues where like, Somebody with those sort of long-standing issues also shouldn't be and drinking, then, yeah, if, if drinking at um, all, really, or driving to like at the same capacity. Driving is one thing, but driving at the same under, time, I want to be able to hang out with him and be a friend to him. Yes, but that would also require that he stops doing things. And I think, like, you know, in order to, in order to be friends with you, there has to be like really strong boundaries set. Like, you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot of instances, it sounds like you're being a hard ass, but. They're, you know, the best friends that you have are always ones that are going to be tough on you when you, when they know you're doing something stupid, right? Yeah. So it's like, I, I think, I think it's one of those situations where like, it would be good to, you know, be friendly and it's admirable to be friendly, but also to be like hard on it as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, don't condone it, like basically really voice your opinion about how it makes you unhappy about a lot of things, you know, like it puts you in danger puts himself in danger and stuff like that and then well it's more than just the driving aspect of it like yeah. hanging out with him and then he just likes getting belligerently drunk and then talking about like how sad he is yeah it's like that's not a hangout that's more like just me it's a therapy session yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much yeah, yeah so it's mean, like that's um i guess a contentious friendship thing 
Well, that well, and that's something that you have every right to talk about and yeah, to work out with him. And, and it's and not I mean, worth it for me to just be there as and, a therapy and, guy. But you know what? You do seem you seem understanding about the situation, and I think this works as like a, a, a microcosm for how you know issues in relationships work out. Is like you know you can definitely be criticizing of a person's uh, actions, but also being empathetic towards how they feel and understanding of their personal situations and histories is also of equal importance, right? Mm-hmm. And so like. Um, I don't know. I think whatever you decide to do in the situation would would be well informed because you've you've thought about it on both ends of it. Yeah. Right. And so, I think if any of the listeners take anything away from this little segment of the conversation, it's like do those things. Like yeah. be be steadfast in your resolve, but also like be empathetic. Right. And that's sort of the the really hard parts about having you know tough deep friendships is that you have to make those types of decisions sometimes where like you know, what the person needs isn't exactly what you want to happen. Namely that you don't want to put a wrench in any sort of friendship or relationship, but for the betterment of some people, like sometimes it needs to happen where you have to have that sort of uh, conviction to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you're invested in the friendship, it can't just be an entirely one-sided thing. Cause if the other person isn't also aware of it, then that relationship will crumble or degrade to a certain point. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and also, like being being in that sort of uh, relationship with any sort of person, also requires that you care very deeply about their well being as well. Yeah. And so, like, I think it necessitates the the whole idea that you need to be tough on them. Not not in a sense that you're mean, but in a sense that your convictions are transferred over to them as well mm-hmm. in a very you loving. Expect a yeah. For that. Yes. You yes. Make friends with people who want the best for you. Yeah. Right. You want to surround yourself with people who are going to push you into that sort of direction mm-hmm. and who are going to treat you, treat you with the same sort of, you know, conviction, but care. Right. And so, right. yeah, I don't think I've had very many like confrontational moments with friends, not to switch over abruptly. If you have anything more to say. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. But, um, I, I think, I think the ones that I've always had have always been conse- like um, circumstantial where mm-hmm. like, you know, we'll be me and a friend will be like tired and we'll have to do something. And, you know, one of us might snap or one of us might do something petty or aggressive. And, um, you know, I think applying those sort of things to that uh, situation, even a small, rela- small relationship contentions are like important. I think the uh, my main example is like, and this is a small time example right now, but it's good for right now is, um, I think there was a point where I was living with Henry in one situation and we were just really busy. I was never home. I would go home. I would leave in the morning at like 630. I'd get back at around midnight. And so I would never have any time to like take care of the house or take out the trash or anything like that. And I think one day you just got really fed up with it and took all of like the stuff that I had, I had that all the cardboard and stuff that I had gotten from moving and put it on my bed. And I, I was upset about it at first, but I, and then I thought about it. I'm like, I've, I've really shirked my responsibilities and like, you know, I was super mad about it, but I, I really should be more responsible. And so I texted him like, Hey, if you need me to do something, just tell me in person, don't be passive aggressive. And we, we talked it through and I, and we, we were able to like basically work out how like, you know, Oh, we we're both busy. We need to work together to make this whole thing work. And I think that on a smaller scale than what you're talking about is, is exactly how things should happen as well. Right? Like, with complete understanding and with trying to reconcile rather than to be correct all the time. Mm. It's all about reconciliation and about compromise. So yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Like it, it works. And, and especially if you really care about the relationship, it's the type of work that needs to go in. And I think that's also why like, you know, there's a threshold with how many like 
really deep friendships you can you can sustain at any given time, right? Because it's it's taxing. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, being close friends with somebody mm-hmm. because you you really in the same sense that we had talked about earlier when you become really close friends with somebody right off the bat because you have all the same uh, interests and all like all the small things get exacerbated and get pushed to the forefront after that. And so you have to deal with all those things when you're really close friends with somebody because all those things are apparent, mm-hmm. right? And so in, in a sense, like being really close friends with somebody is, is you know, a privilege because what it shows is that they've been in a situation where they know a lot of your vulnerabilities and they've chosen to accept them and work alongside them. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think like those, those deep friends are the ones that you keep for a long time. And, um, you know, you try, you try and preserve those as much as possible. Yeah. Right. Through that. Yeah. And if it can last over long distances and time periods of not being able to talk to each other for whatever reason, then that means you really pulled through for that. So yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like good signs for everyone. That's pretty much all I got though. You guys yeah. got anything else? And I think we, we hit on a lot of really good topics, you know? Um, yeah, do you have anything else, Dan? I'm good. I don't yeah. got anything else. Yeah. Well, from us to you, <laughs> our, our friends of the Hangcast. Friends, you guys are all friends now. Yeah, we're all friends now. We had this wonderful moment, and and we all share this this space together now, digitally and not digitally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Signing off.